Hear now the word of our Lord. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the east and I, Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So, um, this year, Crystal and I are going to be celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary in March. And um, we've been sort of going back and forth um, about how to celebrate that, where we're going to go, what, what we're going to do. You know, um, we know we want to take a trip, uh, get away in some way, but there's also a lot of preparations, a lot to think about. And um, I, I was thinking earlier this week about a trip that we took when, um, when we first got married. Um, and uh, uh, Crystal was seven months pregnant with, with, uh, with Nora Grace, and we decided we wanted one last um, sort of, uh, sort of um, uh, trip together uh, before our lives got a little bit more complicated. And we're both um, in our 20s, and um, it was a lot easier back then to just go on a trip. I was uh, working as a dishwasher at the time, and so I didn't make uh, much money. You know, I wasn't rolling in the big uh, pastor bucks that I am now. And, uh, and so um, I remember having exactly $500 in the bank. And that was it to take a trip. And so what we were going to do. And then I remembered as a kid that we had gone to Cape Hatteras and that we had went camping on the beach. I thought to myself, well, you know, 15, maybe $20 a night to go camping on the beach. You know, that, that, and then that leaves the rest of this money for, for gas and food. And so we decided on it on a Wednesday, and by Thursday morning, um, we were leaving, right? 
that, that's the joy of being in your 20s. You can just you pick up and go. Um, there wasn't much to, you know, I got every dollar we had to our name out of the bank. Um, went and got what, what, uh, we would need from Walmart, you know, the sunscreen. Uh, I remembered that we had need of these, uh, these long silver sand stakes to keep the, uh, uh, to keep the tent from blowing away at the beach. And so I got some of those. And then the next morning, we're in the car. We're taking off. Now, if you ask Crystal about that trip, um, uh, we remember it differently, right? She remembers the sand and the tent. Um, she remembers being seven months pregnant, um, uh, climbing to, to the top of the Cape Hatteras lighthouse and, uh, and what a journey that was. Um, and, uh, I tend to remember it maybe a little more, bit more romantically. I have a, a rosier view of what that trip was like. Um, I, I, I remember, um, uh, just, uh, uh, you know, the sunrise on the beach, um, uh, there with uh, with my bride and uh, but what I remember, I guess most fondly about that trip is just the ability to spontaneously get in the car and go somewhere. Honestly, we could never do that today. Decide we're going somewhere um, tomorrow and then just pack up and go. There are so many more preparations, right? We've got to figure out what we're going to do with the kids or if the kids are going to go with us, um, you know, we've got to let their school know. We, we've got to um, figure out uh, uh, what we're going to take, what we're going to leave, um, how, who's going to feed the turtle back home, you know, all the stuff that you have to think about. The more responsibilities you have, the more tied down you are and the harder it is to just up and get away, you know? Um, we don't have jobs that, that we can just blow off anymore and, and, and pretend to be sick and just leave for a couple of days, right? It's much harder. I was thinking about that this week when I was reading our scripture passage about Abram. Abram receives a call from God and God says to Abram, I want you to leave your father's household. I want you to leave your country. I want you to go to a place and I'm going to tell you where we're going when we get there. I want you to just up and go. Now, I was reading this passage um, in a, uh, a translation, a new translation of the Hebrew Bible that I've been really enjoying by a Hebrew scholar named Robert Alter. And Robert Alter, um, is, uh, is, he's been working on this translation for the last 24 years. And the whole idea behind his translation is that he wants to preserve all the um, interesting Hebrew idioms and all of the, uh, the, the, the wordplay and the figures of speech. And so um, his translation might be um, a little more confusing, but it, 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 kind of, it kind of captures the beauty of the original language. And um, for, for an example, I was looking at this passage in the NIV, and it reads like this. This is verse 8. From there, Abram went on toward the hills of Bethel, 
and pitched his tent. That's pretty straightforward, right? We know Abram went from one place to another and he made his camp there. And most translations of the Bible translate um, this phrase exactly like this because they're going for clarity, you know, um, um, easy meaning so that when we're reading it, we know what we're reading. Um, uh, But Alter's translation wants to preserve um, the original Hebrew um, uh, figure of speech that's being used. And so uh, he translates it this way. Abram pulled up his stakes from there for the high country east of Bethel and pitched his tent. The actual phrase the Hebrew uses is Abram pulled up his stakes. Now, I feel like this this translation um, uh, picks up something that the original doesn't, that that the uh, the NIV doesn't. Um, Abram can't just up and leave. He can't just hear this voice and just go. He has to pull up stakes, doesn't he? He had, you know, that, that the, in Hebrew, the phrase pull up stakes means to go, right? If, if, if you say, I'm going somewhere, well, I'm going to pull up stakes from here and I'm going to go, right? It's a phrase that they used. But it captures something of, 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 of the upheaval in Abram's life of the work involved in leaving. He can't just leave. He has to pull up stakes. It's harder for people in their late 30s to just up and leave than he is for someone in their 20s. Imagine being Abram at 75. Ur is the only place he's ever known. His stakes are long and deep in Ur. He's got, he, he, he's got family there. Um, not just, not just his immediate family, but his large extended family. He's, uh, he's well known in that community. He's Tara's boy there. He's gonna go somewhere else and he's gonna be no one. And he's, he's got, he's got people that work for him, that, that depend on him. He's, he's got, um, he's got presumably a, a business that keeps him employed. He's got, Animals that have never been anything but domestic animals. And that's very different than being a traveling animal. Right? He's got the, all these animals that have never known anything outside of Abram's farm. And now suddenly they're going to be going from place to place. And that's a very different lifestyle. And they're going to have to learn different things and be trained different ways. Abram can't just up and leave has to pull up stakes. Not to mention literally pulling up stakes. A 75, that's back-breaking work. To pack up your whole life and to go somewhere and God will tell you when we get there. That takes faith, doesn't it? So the question for us this morning is if God called you this morning and said, I want you to go somewhere. 
I want you to do something new. I've got something ahead of you. I need you to pull up stakes and follow me. What would you say? No, the easy answer, right? Yes, of course. Of course, I would say, yes, Lord, amen. I would follow Jesus anywhere, right? And maybe we, 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 uh, we find it easy to say that because deep down we think, well, God will never really ask that of me, right? It's like when Crystal and I are watching a movie and it's like some kind of sci-fi movie, and um, and there's aliens invading, and um, and the the aliens are about to um, vaporize uh, this 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 woman, but the hero throws himself in front of the woman, gets vaporized, and then Crystal turns to me and says, "Would you do that for me?" <laughs> of course, right. <laughs> That's the right answer, of course. I would get vaporized by an invading alien for you. No problem. The kids, too. I love y'all that much. But that's an easy promise to make, right? You know? Chances are, in my lifetime, we're not going to have an alien invasion. I'm not going to have to throw myself in front of a ray gun. And I think it's easy for us to sing, here I am, Lord, I will go, Lord. I've heard you calling in the night. Because we think, well, that debt's never going to come due. See, we're comfortable here. We've laid down stakes. God knows that. God respects that. God would never ask us to to uproot ourselves like that. And so it's easy to make that promise because we think it's a debt that will never come due. God wouldn't do that to us, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Well, if you read the Bible... For any extended period of time, you see that God is the God of pulled up stakes. That God is constantly calling people from their old life to go to a new life, to a new place. And I'll tell you about it when we get there. We just talked about Abram uh, receiving that voice. He's comfortable in Ur. He's laid down stakes in Ur. He's been there his whole life. And God says, I'm going to take you somewhere else. Follow me. Pull up your stakes. Same happens to his son Isaac. Same happens to his grandson Jacob. Joseph goes all the way to Egypt to follow where the Lord is taking him. Moses is comfortable in Midian. Right? Remember, he's, he, uh, Moses uh, uh, was in, in Egypt and, um, and he found himself on the wrong side of the law. And so he flees to Midian. He gets married. He has kids. He's, he, he's got a, a business being a shepherd. He's laid down stakes in Midian. And then one day, he sees a burning bush. And God says, I want you to pull up stakes. I want you to uproot your whole life. I'm sending you back to Egypt. So he goes back to Egypt, delivers the people. They walk through the Red Sea. They go to Mount Sinai. 
And they're not done pulling up stakes. 40 years in the wilderness, pulling up stakes, pulling up stakes, camping here, then going there, then going there in stages to the promised land. Think of David. David's uh, in the pasture. And he pulls up stakes and he goes to the palace. Then things go badly there and he pulls up stakes and he goes to a Philistine camp. And then he pulls up stakes and goes back to the palace. Think of Ruth, the, the Moabite. Ruth is, is, is happy in Moab and then, uh, then uh, her, her, her Israelite husband dies. And she feels God calling her to go with her uh, mother-in-law, Naomi, back to a country she's never been to. She pulls up stakes and goes somewhere new. God would never do that to us. God is a God of pulled up stakes. Jesus is the Lord of leave it all behind. You know, Peter uh, was just, was, was happy. He had this fishing business. He's well respected in his little town. You know, big fish in a small tank. Had, had everything he needed. Jesus shows up one day, says, pull up your stakes, drop your nets, come follow me. Levi had a good thing going. He was a tax collector. Sure, I mean, he sat at a table all day counting money. Right? Maybe that's not anyone's idea of the most exciting line of work, but he could afford the best clothes. He could throw parties for his friends on the weekends. He could go where he wanted and, and, and do what he wanted. Right? And along comes Jesus and says, pull up your stakes. Come, follow me. Leave it all behind. God is the God of pulled up stakes. Think of that rich young ruler. Remember him in the Bible? He's uh, always laying awake at night, wondering what he's got to do to inherit eternal life. Then finally one day, Jesus comes through town and he runs up to Jesus and, and he says, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, sell everything you have, pull up your stakes, come follow me. And you can't do it. It's got too much holding him down. So he walks away sadly. Saul of Tarsus, right? He's a Pharisee, well-respected in his community, a religious leader. People come to him for answers. Then one day he meets Jesus. I hear you're also a tent maker. You're going to need that. You're going to be pulling up a lot of stakes and pitching a lot of tents. I'm sending you all over the Mediterranean. Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, uh, 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 the other places, right? I'm going to send you everywhere to spread the gospel. God wouldn't do that to us. In the Bible, it seems like that's all he does. Leave everything behind. Pull up your stakes. Come, follow me. So again, I ask you the question, what would you do if God was calling you to pull up stakes this morning?
what would you say? Because I believe God is probably calling us to pull up stakes. Now, I know what you want right here. You want me to spiritualize it, metaphorize it, right? Make pulling up stakes about, you know, I need to give up candy for Lent or something, you know, something real easy. And I could, I could pass out these little, like, um, wooden, uh, these, these little popsicle stick stakes I made and we could all leave them here on the altar, right? That would be nice. And then I could go back home and th- think, that was a close one. The preacher was talking like, like I was actually going to have to have a radical transformation in my life and, 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 and let God lead me to something new. <sighs> Dodge that bullet. I believe there may be someone in here God has been calling for a long time to do something extraordinary, to do something new, to, to move to the next thing. And you know it's God because when you, when, you, when you hear it and you think about it, you get exhilarated and terrified at the same time. You get exhilarated. You, you, you start thinking of, of what it would mean to just, to just, just let go and let God, to let, let Jesus take the wheel, all that stuff we sing about, but only half mean. But then you start thinking about what it would take. I'd have to go back to school. I got, uh, uh, I, I couldn't start a new job. I've, I've just, you know, got this thing lined up. I couldn't do this new ministry. I don't know anything about it. It's, it's better off left to, 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 to someone, someone that knows more. We start thinking of all the reasons, all the things holding us down from going to something new. I'm not saying... Um, uh, that, that, that Jesus is calling you to pack up and go to Timbuktu. Maybe he calls some people. But there may be a new phase of your life, a new phase of your mission, a new phase of your call here on earth, a new purpose. And you're not too young and you're not too old. Abram was 75, right? And you've been hearing that call and ignoring that call for a long time. And, and I wish, I wish the preacher would just stop talking so I'd be off the hook right now. But God is the God of pulled up stakes. God is the God of leave it all behind. Come follow me. Don't worry about what it's going to take. Don't worry about where we're going. Don't worry about what it's going to look like. I will show you when we get there. See, we call Abraham the father of our faith. Why? Because he believes in God? That's a struggle in our modern day of age, in our you know, scientifically minded world to believe in God. But back in ancient times, everyone believed in the gods. They took it for granted. That wasn't special. Abram is the father of our faith. Because God told him, go where I send you. And Abram went. He pulled up stakes. It's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to trust God with your whole life. It's one thing to say, you know, to sing the song and say, I believe in you. It's another thing 
to pull up stakes and to trust God. Back around the turn of the century, there was this um, tightrope walker called the Great Blondine. And um, kids, this is back in the time before TV and Netflix and cell phones. And so if you wanted to see something sensational, you had to go to where it was happening and see it. And so um, the Great Blondine um, uh, was one of the greatest tightrope walkers in the world. And people would come from all over the world to see him perform his feats. He would walk over Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And if that weren't enough, um, uh, sometimes he would do it blindfolded. If that weren't enough, uh, one time the great blondine um, walked over Niagara Falls pushing a wood-burning stove and a wheelbarrow. He stopped in the middle, made an omelet, ate it, and then kept walking. Tell me you wouldn't drive to see that, right? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, the story is told that one day um, the great blondine was getting ready to go over Niagara Falls and, and he was a great showman, so, so he was whipping up the crowd into a frenzy. And he said, I am the great blondine. Who here believes I can walk over this tightrope? And uh, the, whole, the whole crowd is yelling, We believe, blondine! We believe! And then he says, I am the great blondine. Who believes I can walk over this tightrope while blindfolded? They're all yelling, we believe, Blondine, we believe. And he says, I am the great Blondine. Who believes I can walk over this tightrope blindfolded while pushing a wheelbarrow? We believe, Blondine, we believe. Then he says, I am the great Blondine. Who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? hear a pin drop (laughs) right it's one thing to believe from the comfort of the crowd it's one thing to get here and say and sing we believe we believe it's another thing to get in the wheelbarrow it's another thing to trust god with our whole life but god is the god of pulled up stakes God is the God of leave it all behind. God is the God of trust me and get in my wheelbarrow. And I will take care of you. So the question. Last week we got together as a whole big circuit. There was a harp. There was a cello. It was a real nice time. And we got together and we sang, Here I am, Lord. I will go, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. Did you mean it? Did you mean it? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.